Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Sex Cells podcast, the podcast where a comedian talks to a relationship therapist. This will be our last podcast for 2022. We're taking a three to four month break. Eliza probably is a mother by now, by the time this podcast goes out. So congratulations. And I'm sure you are, you're already lacking sleep, but I'm sure you'll be even more sleep deprived uh, by September. And uh I hope it's all going well. And uh, this is weird. This is me like in the future. Um, but yeah, if you uh, if you missed the last podcast, we are taking that break uh, because, like I said, Liz is going to have a, a a child, and I just want to reflect on a few things. And we've been doing this for about two years, and um, think about how I can, I guess, make things a bit better in terms of what I'm posting, and you know, just kind of change things up a bit do a bit of a rebrand and i probably just will enjoy the break and today we oh one last thing if you are subscribed as you know the, the all that subscription money goes um to charity so we would encourage you that you stay subscribed uh but if you'd like to cancel the subscription because there won't be any podcasts for an extended period of time it also neil and jordan will will be taking a few months off by all means, um, you can cancel the subscription. Unfortunately, with the through the website I use, I can't pause any subscriptions. Um, so if you'd like to cancel and then just rejoin or whatever, it's, it's totally up to you. Um, just email me if you have any questions, neil.business@outlook.com. Today, we're going to answer two questions, actually. Um, a couple came in in a flurry. So uh, we're going to answer one about uh, relationships with... Uh, either both people or one person having mental disorders or illnesses. And then we're going to answer a few questions, a series of questions from this other subscriber here about, uh, well, when to, when to, you know, approach a girl, uh, the right course of action in sort of befri- befriending someone and things like that. And, and how to date a celebrity. <laughs> That's gonna, I, can, I, I got some experience there, don't I? So we'll answer those two. Uh, Before we get into the podcast, it's sponsored by Crush Organics. Crush Organics have a huge range of CBD oil products. I've been a uh, very happy user of their platinum oil for about a year and a half now and Mm. take a couple of drops just before bed every night. If you use the code NEIL, you'll get 40% off. That's Crush with a K, so crushorganics.com. Use the code Neil. You get 40% off. Great little gift. Christmas is coming up. Great little gift. Uh, I sounded like Trump there. Great, great little gift. Christmas coming. <laughs> um, so go to crushorganics.com. Use the code Neil. Get 40% off. They've also got gummies, pain creams, uh, CBD oil for pets. And if you haven't used CBD oil before, make sure you just start off with maybe one or two drops. See how... You go come see me live. I'll be doing quite a lot of shows in this back three months of the year. So uh, comedyuntamed.com every week in Sydney. You know, this is the this is the big period for comedy shows. Everyone wants to come in, in spring and summer. So let's sell all these babies out uh, every week in Sydney, regular in Western Sydney. The Brisbane ones are going to be the big ones because we'll be filming an improv special. So come along to the Brisbane shows. Um, right now we're planning sort of one in October, one in December. That may change, but there'll likely be two. And with Comedy Untamed, you get a you get a smorgasbord of some of the best up and coming comedians in Australia. 
and also a whole second half full of improv. Also, we, we're doing shows in Newcastle. We've got a Perth show in December and probably a few Melbourne shows we're going to put on sale as well. So it's uh, we're all over the place. Comedyuntamed.com. All righty. Eliza, how, how are you? How's everything going? Good. Same old. Not much new to report. Uh, nothing's really happening in my days anymore. I just sit at home waiting to give birth. So <laughs> nothing exciting happening here, um, except I got a water bottle today in the mail. I don't know if you saw my Instagram, but I was so excited about it. I have a water bottle collection. So this is my new water bottle. I didn't know that. It's huge. Yes. It's okay. Like a, is it uh, BPA free? Is it all toxin it's free? It's everything. Every water bottle okay. I buy is at least 80 plus dollars at minimum because i'm obsessed with fancy water bottles i don't know what it is of everything to collect but yeah i need a new water bottle i want to i want a real good one without any of those bpas any of those toxins none of that what what's your recommendation what's the best water bottle out there on the australian market well it really depends like are you more of a sucker or (laughs) like do you like to (laughs) (laughs) Do you like oh. to go through a straw, didn't or think do you I'd be like to this pour in your mouth? No, I don't want a straw. No, I'll pour it. I like to pour it. In my... That's so funny. That's my, that's my toxic masculinity. <laughs> yeah, he undoes my lid <laughs> and put drink. It drives me. Oh. Um, I have one, but I can't remember the name of it. Um, but I, I'll link it to you because I've got one in pink and black, and it is the best brand and it does it's yes, the only please. one i have without a straw because everything else i like i love a little straw uh, okay it's do you use uh, filtered water or do you just use classic tap water well i do I feel have... like you could be a filtered you'd be <laughs> well we looked into it when we got our um new house oh well it's not new anymore it's like a year old for us and we it's like five thousand dollars to install it almost six thousand dollars and i was saying let's do what? it adrian was saying let's not um so we've got like a lot of water drugs but i'm not too i'm not too fussed about it like to be honest it's one of those things i haven't really researched because i don't want to and i don't want to start freaking out about water i drink <laughs> or something anything like that so i'm i'm happy with tap water whatever um but it, I, probably 50 50 it's almost like the stress incurred from worrying about all the possible toxins in our modern food is gonna impact you more adversely than just eating whatever honestly when so i was much. every week there's something oh this plastic here this your pots these strawberries your pans, might have it. it's it's yeah. it's impossible it's impossible to stay up to date yeah when i was looking into um things that can impact your fertility it is literally everything i use and it was such a struggle i'm like okay so i can't use these pots i can't use these pans i shouldn't drink this i can't eat that i shouldn't have caffeine I definitely can't smoke or drink which i didn't anyway i shouldn't stop i should stop wearing perfumes can't use retinol like all these things that i was just doing on my day-to-day basis it's so wild to think like long term what are the impacts of that it's hectic yeah. Yeah, yeah, I've tried anyway. to uh, replace all the Tupperware, the, just the classic pl- plastic Tupperware containers. But then, you know, so many foods now just come packaged in plastic. Yeah, It's, it's yeah. so hard to avoid that. I don't know how, I mean, I could sit there and look at my weekly shopping and try to put it all into the containers. But then uh, I'm just like, oh, whatever, I could be bothered. I'll get the cancer. Yeah. It's all good. <laughs> yeah, microplastics <laughs> are scary to think about the long-term 
impact of that. And I think one of the biggest sources of microplastics is meat. So be there you careful. Go. Yeah. 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 Are wow. you still are you still eating more plant based than than not? Yeah, yeah. But I wouldn't be able to say I am on a plant based diet or I'm on a yeah. vegan diet anymore. But yeah. everything in my apartment is vegan and maybe once or twice a week I'll have a non vegan meal and yeah, I'll good on you. definitely enjoy that. But yeah, I I can't really say I'm I'm plant based or vegan anymore. I pretty I pretty yeah. much was for like a year. Yeah, um, God, that went fast. But uh, yeah, yeah, not not entirely anymore. But well, good um, for you. That's still mm, great. Still doing what I can. So that's what this podcast is going to be about today, guys. Is why you should eat vegan. Um. Just castigating <laughs> everyone who eats any animal products, which is so much better than you guys. Um, just so you know. Here's a video of a pig screaming. Oh, don't. Mm-hmm. I'm hormonal and pregnant. <laughs> I'm just going to cry thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's get into the let's get into some of these questions. Um, which one do you want to do first? You want to do the one about I feel like the one about mental illnesses is going to going to is one that we can talk quite a lot about. Or well, especially mm-hmm. you, you you can definitely take the lead on that one and and these other ones are, I guess probably be a bit more fun so we can i think we'll start with these other ones okay go for it so this is from uh from don't say george. the names <laughs> oh, but george is such a common name it's fine i don't think anyone's gonna be like oh it's, it's that guy um too late anyway okay <laughs> <laughs> okay when to shoot your shot i asked that very broadly as i'd like to see Thoughts on the ideal place to shoot from as a stranger, friend, colleague, etc. The specific moment to shoot, or if it may be more of a gradual process, the right course of action in more grey situations. Uh, an example being if the person of interest is being romanticised by a plethora of people on top of yourself, is it better to give up, befriend them, find a way to stand out or just line up with everyone else and hope you look prettier? And also how to date a celebrity. So... Look, my initial thoughts are something like that. It's like there's no, there's no specific time to, and and of course, shoot your shot is you know when to actually go and ask someone out. Um, there's no really specific moment to do it. Usually, it is more of a gradual process. But I also, as I get older, I find it it seems to be better for everyone involved if the, the sooner you get to an expression of romantic interest. And then, of course, accept it if it is a rejection. That that seems to be better. I think sort of lingering around with someone who you're not sure if they reciprocate the feelings you may have, particularly if you get to your mid-late 20s, early 30s, it just comes across as a bit insecure and can annoy people and can also turn people off. So I would say yeah. sooner rather than later, if that helps. Um, now, in grey area situation, if the person of interest is being romanticised by a plethora of people on top of yourself, I mean, unless those other people are your friends or people who have already expressed that they like that person, I don't, I don't think that really should make yeah. a difference. If, if look, most women will have, you know, a lot of people interested them in, in them at any given point. So I don't think that really matters too much. I think you, you should just um, go for it regardless. Now the ideal place. Uh, see now that I, that's hard because uh, 
Ideal place to shoot from in bracket as a stranger friend colleague. Oh, so is he is he saying the is he asking the ideal place in terms of what the relationship would be? Um, then, well, a colleague or we've done podcasts on that, and yeah. it's always makes it a bit murky and awkward. Mm. Even a friend, especially if you've been friends with someone for a long time, it's always going to be because you know you're t- potentially risking the friendship. Honestly, a stranger is probably not maybe not like a complete stranger, but in terms of just like the the lack of complication, someone you've maybe just met on on through the apps, or maybe you've just met someone who's just come to your work and it's only been a couple of weeks. Yeah, it can also make things uncomfortable, but I would guess it would be just better to get that out there in the open rather than sit there thinking about it for potentially months. Some people literally have a work crush for years without saying anything. Um, So, yeah, probably either a stranger or someone you briefly know rather than, because friend, colleague, et cetera. I mean, maybe for some, I don't know, you tell me for some women it might be different. They feel more, they feel better if it is a friend or a colleague or someone they fully know and are aware of asking them out. So what do you... What do you think? And then, and then after that, we'll get to how to date a celebrity. Yeah, you can take that one. Okay. <laughs> um, I think that actually it's, it, like Neil said, it's not, there's no one method fits all, but I think actually friend, stranger and colleague all need to be approached um, quite differently. Um, and in the situation where you were saying, you know, waiting is sometimes better, I would say that applies to especially a friend rather than just kind of come out and saying, hey, let's do this, like maybe testing the waters a little bit, saying, or whereas with a stranger, you could say it out straight off the bat and, you know, your chances of rejection are much higher or or maybe equal, but you don't have that as much emotional investment. So I think that one of the biggest differences and approaches that I would take in a friend um, or definitely colleague compared to a stranger is that with a stranger, I would be, if you want to bring a woman home or pursue her or ask her on a day and you've just met her, your best bet is going to try be to develop some kind of sexual interest. So rather than just getting yourself instantly friend zoned. So flirtatious banter and humor is really going to work with you in that sense. And being flirty off the bat is accepted and okay. And if they reject you, they reject you. If not good, then you can move on. And uh, if they accept those, not advances, but those signals and respond to that as well, then that would be your sign that, hey, I can ask this person on a date or ask them home or ask them to a bar after this. However, for a friend and definitely a colleague, when you change your method of approach to becoming flirtatious and bantery in that sense, it can be really, really uncomfortable if those feelings aren't reciprocated. So I would tread very carefully with that because it can come across quite sleazy and you don't want someone to interpret you as that you know as being sleazy because it's going to turn them off massively and they're probably likely to say no unless you already have that kind of personality or that relationship with them that you already were flirty and bantery in which case you can kind of build on that a little bit then great but if you don't have that and you're always like professional or standard I don't think it's the best idea to just randomly introduce that and then ask them out because it can be a little bit of a concern at times so we definitely talked about colleagues on previous podcasts I would listen to them because I had a lot to say about them and I think that 
women and men have different different ideas on whether or not that's appropriate. And basically every woman I've ever spoken to says never ask out a colleague. And every man I've ever spoken to said my best relationships or basically all my relationships came from colleagues. So well, well, Before uh, online dating, so, so, I, I can't remember if it was the most common, but it was definitely a very common place where marriages started out. It was, yeah, yeah, they, they uh, started out in a, yeah. in a workplace environment. So things yeah. have definitely changed a lot there. I mean, I can see how it would make things very uncomfortable and, and awkward for everyone involved if the feelings are not reciprocated. But... Uh, at the same time, someone has those feelings, they should, I think, get them out there because it can be even more awkward and and strange if they're sort of they're holding on to that and looking for subtle hints and trying to be indirect and testing the waters too much. Uh, but you got to just find that balance, I think. If you if you come out randomly one day without any previous indicators and say, "Hey, I think you're hot. Let's get a drink," that's obviously going to be quite off-putting and yeah you know likely inappropriate now in a in a workplace but if you maybe uh, i don't know how you do it but it, it sort of take someone aside or just get a get a coffee with them and just sort of say hey look i i'm having some feelings for you do you do you have that um and and sort of explore it rather than make statements um, but then in a, yeah. if you're in a bar or if you're in sort of a, an environment where people are approaching each other and it's a sort of fun, flirty environment already, the the more direct you can be usually, the the better your chances are. I don't think you yeah. have this sort of opportunity with a, with a stranger at the bar to test the waters and see how yeah. it goes. You've got to pretty much, yeah, you've got to shoot, shoot your shot and, and <laughs> more likely than not, you're going to get rejected. So, um, yeah. Just go for it. Then you just uh, move on to the next girl at the bar. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's what the most, idea. That's what most of us would do, yeah. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, there's not really a direct uh, answer to that. Uh, it just depends on the context. So in, in each of those, I think I think we've, we've sort of explained. I do want to add, though, yeah. firstly, with the colleagues, I think that if you're equal in your job opportunity, I don't think there's an issue with it. Equal in your job opportunity. I can't speak. It's my baby brain. Sorry. If you have, you know, your, your co-workers and you're not in a position of power, I don't see much of a concern with it. But if you're romantically or sexually interested in someone that is your employee, I do have an issue with that and I think a lot of people do and I think that that is something you should tread extremely carefully on and probably avoid if you can. Um, every single girl I know has been, well, basically I know, that especially my friends um, and myself have been pursued by men in positions of power, um, managers, CEOs and things like that and it's an extremely frustrating experience to happen and it's not a rare occurrence. So chances are you may not be the first time a manager has approached them and it's going to piss them off. Um, so be cautious of that. But if you just work alongside someone and you're spending a lot of time with them, then it makes sense to do like Neil said, grab a coffee, fly it by them and see how they, they act. But I think the common thing in all three of these circumstances of stranger, friend and colleague, and especially friend and colleague, is your ability to take rejection and just let it roll over you like it doesn't bother you. Because if you harbor frustration or resentment afterwards, you're going to piss them off and you're going to piss everyone else off that they tell, especially if you're at work and they will tell people um, if you respond poorly to that. 
But if you're just like, yeah, fair enough, just wanted to ask, like, I totally respect that. I think that that is actually an attractive quality. And I've had people, I've rejected men before and then had them respond like that and then literally formed an attraction to them afterwards based on how well they were, like, just handled that. Um, so I think it's a it's a good point thing to acknowledge. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, whoopsie. Uh, no, <laughs> I'm, I'm like, not oh, interested take it in back. you. Oh, now I am. <laughs> That's funny. Um, yeah. Yeah, the work environments, oh, it just makes me feel like it's high school all over again where it's a Christmas yeah. party and two people have hooked up or, you know, someone's interested in this person, everyone's bloody gossiping about it yuck i hate that but that's yeah. that's mo- most people would be in that yeah. it gets messy <laughs> it absolutely oh, does yeah i don't think i've really oh look no actually this is just a little side note there were there was someone i hooked up with this would be would have been in like 2015 and then another person i went on a date with in i think 2020 so it's five years apart they both ended up becoming comedians. Neither of them were comedians at the time. <laughs> That's so, so weird. And then they were on one night. They were on a show, but like they were on a lineup together. And I was like, oh, my God. God. <laughs> <laughs> and neither yeah. of them were comedians at the time. And so it make, And then I was like, oh, this makes it make me feel weird. Even though I've done nothing wrong, but just it makes it seem like I could be, you know, trying yeah. to go after you know girls getting into comedy when like literally neither of them were Let in me comedy mentor at you. The time. <laughs> yeah but anyway um that's how so to funny. date a celebrity that's um yeah, luck, no George. different like it's not really yeah who are you who are you trying to shoot your shot with george <laughs> like, this is Maybe pretty it's ambitious um <laughs> Well, it depends what sort of celebrity. I'm assuming here maybe, I don't know, social media celebrity or uh, if we're talking about a big celebrity like, you're, you know, a big pop star or something. I mean, forget about it. What do you want to, yeah. you know, why do you want to? Do- I mean, Get that just, out of your head. <laughs> yeah, that's not going to happen, first of all. But also, I, go, I don't know. I haven't seen the guy. It could be absolutely stunning and, and rich himself. But I'm sure you are stunning, George. Look, um. I don't uh, now. Kim Kardashian is single, so look, maybe you can yeah. shoot, shoot your shot there. Slide into her DMs, see what happens. Um, but uh, it would probably be a lot of work dating a celebrity because they'd be very busy. They'd be jet setting and and flying around a lot. So usually they bring their partners with them. And then if you've got just a normal run of the mill job, it's it's difficult. Usually, often what will happen if if a celebrity starts dating someone who's not previously a celebrity they'll often give up their job and and maybe become a celebrity themselves or travel around with them i know when zach efron was here he basically picked up some girl who was working at a cafe in byron oh yeah in byron she's bay flying around i don't know if they're still together but uh oh, she yeah. she gave that up and is now flying around with with good old zach so you know you'd probably have to make a lot of sacrifice if we're talking about that level of celebrity now if we're talking about um you know your classic uh aussie d-lister like good old me then it's no different it's it's like you'd date anyone else i don't know why okay look if it is someone on social media the last thing you want to do is treat them any differently like that you would a normal partner because that can make them feel strange and insecure about it and and weird you know they're just Mm. people they're just human beings so uh, you just state them any other way you would and, and don't try to, if you're uncomfortable about their celebrity status or their what they do, that's going to be, that's, 
gonna not that's not gonna end well um if you're maybe insecure about them having a profile and potentially getting dms from the opposite sex or something like that well then maybe it's better to just stay away from them because you're essentially asking them to give up their career to make you feel secure and that's you know that's yeah pretty unfair so Mm. Uh, there's a few things you got to take into account and, you know, they, they might be getting recognized when they go out and things like that. And it doesn't really affect anything too much, but don't, you know, if, if, if say, for example, this is more specific to me, but, um, a lot of times I just haven't wanted to go out or go to parties cause I just kind of, and this is not a brag or anything, but I kind of know, all right, I'm going to be recognize there and probably do have to do photos and you know mm. i'm pre- i can be introverted and not want to do that sometimes and yeah. and it sucks because you know maybe my partner wanted to go out and, and things but just you know things like that are gonna you're gonna have to deal with things like that mm. um but at the end of the day it's, it's look if you're looking at that kind of social media celebrity it's really not that different to anyone else and if you're looking at the big, you know, pop stars or whatever, I mean, I, I don't know. It's just have you massage their ego <laughs> in your relationship? Have you? I know yeah. that you have a thing, which a fair justified thing that you don't like. You know, your partners sharing your intimate details amongst their friends anyway. But specifically related to your profile, have you had? like conversations about that, like how that could impact you or have you said like, I don't want you discussing ABC with anyone because of, you know, this, have, have those conversations come up for you? Ah, oh, look. Or even like nudes, everything I've those kind of things, sexy. I've never uh, shown my face in a nude. Uh, so yeah. there's none out there anyway. <laughs> and very rarely have I actually sent a dick pic. I think I did it a very small handful of times when I was like 21, 22 and I never put my face in it anyway. So yeah. that sort of stuff, I've That's sort smart. of, yeah. and then look, I don't know, people are going to talk about that anyway. And yeah, I kind of, I, I really dislike that, but look, that's one negative and that is dwarfed by all the positives of what I do. But, you know, um, if I do have a fling or, you know, one I stand with someone, they're probably going to be more likely to tell a lot of people because I have a, profile uh with partners no i've never really i just assume everyone's going to talk to their friends about that sort of stuff and yeah i don't i don't like it i don't i don't really go into a lot of details with my um friends about you know the exactly what people do in the bedroom or what you know what our what positions we might have done or whatever i don't really like doing that but i know i actually think girls are a lot more open with that sort of stuff with their friends and um i know yeah. i've never actually had that conversation i just assume they're gonna tell their friends all of that sort of stuff i don't and it, it just it is what it is i don't really yeah i've talked about other stuff on this podcast anyway so it's not like i'm a closed book in that regard yeah. but um yeah it is kind of a, it's a bit annoying when you know back in the facebook days when the video algorithms were popping and people would always tag uh people who i've you know, either flirted with or hooked up with or something. and Oh, yeah. You know, the, like they'd, they'd show the screenshots of me asking pretty normal questions, but then like make fun of me somehow. Oh, for it. And it's just like, what, what, what do you want me to say? That's terrible. Like, it, was just, it was just a bit weird. And like sometimes when I'd be chatting to people on 
Tinder, they'd screenshot it and post on Facebook as a way to kind of brag and... But then, like my people who follow me would screenshot that and send me, and then I'd screenshot them. I'd be like, "I'm not. I'm, we're done. <laughs> I don't want to talk <laughs> yeah. to you anymore." <laughs> so, yeah, it was kind of funny. Uh, but that's um, crazy. Yeah, it's what has, it is. Look, has anyone ever come up to you while you're with your girlfriend, like just to say hi or anything like that? Yeah, all the time. Yeah. How does she? Is she introverted or like how does she respond? Usually they're just kind of talking to me and asking for a photo or, or saying, you know, I love your stuff or, or yeah. and, and the most vast majority of people are really nice about it and understand when they're to not go too far and intrude on, you know, the, the date I may be on or something like that. Yeah. And I'm open to do all of that. You know, that's just part and parcel of what I do. But uh, very rarely some people have kind of taken it a bit too far and, you know, asked me to do a video or something like that and oh, just kind of pretty stupid things to be honest um but that's just far they're far and few in between most people are very nice about it and i can't i can only imagine what it would be like for someone like the you know the kardashians or yeah. someone of that level of fame i mean to be fair they probably go off into their private parties and don't really mingle with the the masses <laughs> if you will yeah but yeah. uh no i don't think she's sort of had much of a i don't think she's sees it as a problem and then she kind of thinks it's kind of funny most yeah of the time. I'm good and yeah um nothing really it, i'm used to it now i guess max and daniel are kind of just getting used to it they're getting recognized a lot more now and oh, still kind of wow. yeah, yeah figuring out how to deal with that and what to do and it's a it's a weird thing because yeah when you're on social media extensively you get recognized a lot but you don't get to live the the celebrity lifestyle that uh previous famous people would have so it's not like yeah. you're being jetted off in private flights and mm. going to exclusive parties you just go into the pub but a lot of people know you, so um, yeah. it's just, it's, it's cool in a way, you, you know, if you yeah. frame it in a positive way, you're like very popular, which is... Yeah, the yeah, dream for yeah, so I many so. people, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so uh, I'd say, yeah, positives, if anything, actually outweigh the negatives, but um, uh, George, that's, uh, I don't know which celebrity you're, you're trying to shoot your shot with, but good luck, report back. I hope it is Kim Kardashian recently... <laughs> See, after Pete got another bloody tattoo of his, this that guy's a special case. But Sad. Um, uh, yeah, <laughs> gee, that guy's. Have you ever heard of uh, um, the Green Line theory? No, what's that? So this guy, I feel bad. I can't. I don't know his name. I can't give him credit. But he's created this theory, and it's so true. Where he predicts based on photos whether or not a couple is going to last. Um, they were never going to last. But, yeah, true. But this is so true for every example he's used, even people that have submitted their own photos. And basically, he, uh, when it's a couple together, he, he draws a line based on the angle that their body's on. And if one couple is leaning on or towards the other and the other one's leaning is straight or leaning away, it means one's more into the other if that makes sense. So wow. he, for example, got every single photo of Kim and Pete together and every single time she was straight, Kim, yeah. like straight posture, or slightly leaning away, and he was always leaning to her. Uh, so it was interesting little 
fun theory there. Obviously, it's not backed by anything. It's just someone's opinion. But I kind of thought it was spot on with so many other couples. (laughs) Pete Davidson seems like the ultimate rebound nice boyfriend kind of guy, like the cuddly guy that after you've been hurt by... Golden Retriever. Yeah, someone else, you go to him and he falls way too in love with you and then gets hurt. Like this, he needs to maybe reflect on the he's probably got an ariana tattoo and a anna kim tattoo and he does, look, very yeah. popular and he's but you know he's not going to find someone unless he's uh i think stops being this kind of like rebound golden retriever boyfriend bless him and i think um just quickly bouncing back we've assumed here that um george is is straight um and i want to kind of put a disclaimer that if you were gay or bi or whatever this the information and advice i still think applies the exact same um except that i know that especially with gay men that typically being forward is actually more anticipated and um valued so maybe that advice you could be even more forward than usual and i i don't i have to say i don't know how the workplace situation applies to gay men um, and colleagues. And if they have that same level of discomfort that women tend to have, especially with senior um, or management or CEOs and things like that. So if you're a gay man, let us know in the comments. Yeah, let us know. <laughs> yeah. What do you think? Okay, I've, <laughs> this is a, in, a weird observation. So tell me if I'm being way too disrespectful. But there's like this kind of social like gay man privilege where okay let just hear me out like you can kind of be bitchy and make these like offhand comments and people are like ah oh, it's a gay guy it's just what they do but like if a man did it to another man right like i once i can't remember what it was but a, a gay guy was just sort of basically insulting my fashion choices or something's like yeah oh, I, I wouldn't wear that mm. or like yeah you know something yeah. like oh those broad shoulders you know you got the shoulders but that's it or something and it's just like oh yeah it's a gay guy it's just what they say yeah. but then if a straight guy did that i'll be like dude what the fuck you can't say yeah. that <laughs> like why just, how come anyway just a little i don't know why the, <laughs> there's so many like potential reasons why but it, it is definitely a thing i've seen other gay guys online call out gay communities for being like that um, and being like offensive and saying you use, you know, because you're gay, you can say whatever. But at the same time, every time I've witnessed it or even experienced it myself from gay men, I've never been offended. I just find it kind of cheeky and humorous. And I love that so many people within the gay community have such great senses of humor. And I, the bitchiness to me is funny, but I can see like, yeah, there's definitely a double standard. And it's kind of like similar to, um, can you hear Could that? Could it then? Okay. What's that? My headphones are gone funny yet. If you can hear me oh. fine, I can hear you fine. Yeah, I can hear you. Okay, good. Continue. Technical difficulties. So, <laughs> uh, but then, like, there's almost like a, if I were to put my, I guess, intersectional hat on, right? Like, if a woman said that sort of stuff, you'd be like, oh, yeah, she's a, she's a bitch. And you'd have much more negative connotations. But then if a gay man says it, ah, oh, he's funny. Yeah. You know, it's a and, then, standard. and then like uh, there's a um, great comedian, but you know, some of the stuff he'll get on stage, you'll be like, How are you going, you big, you big slut? How are you going, you big? Oh, look yeah. at those big old titties you got. And it's just like, <laughs> You can't, I could imagine if I got on stage, like, Oh, yeah, how are you going, you fucking slut? Or like whatever, like that. You just can't say it, right? 
But I, I guess- wonder though if it's because it's the fact that they're a minority and you know the the disadvantages that they've had previously. Because I do see the same or similar kind of traits um, or experiences, especially online, it, on TikTok with say black um, black creators just paying the shit out of white people and the way they dance and the way they season their chicken and their food and and their fashion and everything. But yet it does not seem nearly as offensive as if a white person said, no one would mention it, like no one. And I actually saw a video of a, um, she was a black creator and she makes, uh, I can't remember what she makes. I think it's earrings or scrunchies, something like that. And they have like a somewhat tribal pattern on it. And someone commented saying, can I buy this if I'm white? Um, and she made a video based on that comment being like fucking white people asking me if they can buy my earrings because I'm white. But then every single comment was like, it's because we get so like, um, grilled on what's appropriate, what's cultural appropriation versus cultural appreciation. And some communities or creators from ethnic groups say that you can't purchase this, you can't do this. So there was this whole like debate about it going on and then I saw all these people making videos about it saying why can we do this and they do that and all this divide um so it's an interesting kind of thing to unpack and I wonder if it's because similar reasons you know because of the disadvantages that they've gone through or or um the fact that they might be minority groups or anything like that that kind of allows them to as we say punch up but not necessarily saying I agree with that yeah, that's the theory. It's it's you know yeah. if you've been disadvantaged, it's a, you're you're fighting against power structures. But but yeah. but a gay man calling a girl a slut. What power structure is he fighting? That's still a guy <laughs> being sexist, isn't it? But anyway, yeah, I I've got my thoughts on all that sort of stuff, and you know you've yeah. probably heard plenty of that. Yeah. And I I get I probably have a bit of an advantage with sort of racial stereotypes and. I can likely get away with one. Now, I don't want to be able to get away with one. I think everyone should be able to just kind of, uh, if they're doing it in an accurate and funny way, make fun of whatever racial stereotype they want to make fun of. And I think, you know, brown people shouldn't just find it funny if a brown person does the Indian accent. If other people can do it well, that's funny too. We shouldn't sort of gatekeep that. But um, anyway... That's a separate topic. Maybe we can do another podcast. Yeah, on we that. should just, bring just, that back. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Uh, just I get scared doing those podcasts though because I worry that I will offend someone or like I feel like you and I have different. We're on either end of the spectrum, but my play, my position comes purely from a I don't want to offend anyone with what I say, and this is this is too controversial for me. Well, sometimes, but okay. it's good to talk about. Yeah. I, I, you need to talk about it because I agree to talk with you most of the time. And, yeah. Yeah. It's, look, if, if you're using sort of a, a oppression status as an excuse to just be for bad behavior, I don't think that's, I don't think you can justify that by saying we're breaking down power structures and things. I think yeah. that should still yeah. be called out. But anyway, that's a yeah. completely Agreed. different um, topic. Now, let's get into uh, this one. Um, Hi guys, my topic request is managing. Okay, so okay, look, look, these ones were uh, topics, but we just thought both of these could be covered in in the one. We probably couldn't do a full uh, podcast on those previous questions, so 
Um, the people who have sent in these, um, let me know if, if you feel like we haven't covered them accurately or well enough. We'll, we'll do some more next year, but I think we can cover these both quite well in, in the half podcast um, allotted time. So, uh, hi guys, my topic request is managing relationships with mental disorder slash illness. I don't mind which direction you guys take this, but the reason I thought of this topic was because when my partner and I first started dating, he was struggling a lot with depression. The majority of the time we spent together, he never seemed to enjoy himself and would frequently dump everything on me. After month of, months of this, I snapped and said I couldn't take it anymore, that he needed to speak to a therapist and not make me deal with everything. I did feel bad at the time, but it can be really draining trying to deal with another person's struggles constantly. I don't know. Maybe that makes me a bad person. No, I don't think it does. But we are both doing really well now. If this isn't a broad enough topic on a similar note, I recently learned that men are significantly more likely to leave their seriously ill partners than women, 21% versus 3% or something. Ooh, what are your thoughts on this? would love to hear you chat about one or both of these topics. All right, so we'll get to that. Um, Men leaving their seriously ill partners at a rate seven times more than women do. Wow. Um, But... um, Look, it's, we have done um, podcasts where we've talked about dating with a, you know, either dating someone with a um, mental illness or both people have mental illnesses and it's it's just always going to be harder. And as you've always said, if you don't have a secure attachment style, for the sake of both people, it might be better not, not even to pursue the relationship. Now, it sounds like they're in a good place now, which is good. And I think what she's done is eventually, yeah, eventually, like usually in people's experience. Now, eventually, I'll, I'll let Eliza take the reins on this one. She's going to be far more qualified to speak on this. But I, from not only just my personal experience, but the people around me, when you're dating someone who has these kind of serious mental illnesses, it's often first something that you're really uh, aware of and you're, and you're happy to accommodate for and you want to do everything you can for them. And then it starts to get harder and harder over time. It starts to get really frustrating. More often than not, people might not be, you know, visiting the therapist or doing the things that they should be doing. And it gets really hard. You start to get resentful you start to question things and then the person with the mental illness can sort of think, well, this person isn't supporting me. This person doesn't actually love me for who I am. They're just expecting me to be something that I'm not. And it's a pretty messy situation. So Mm. it's not easy. Uh, If you're interested in someone who may have, uh, you know, a a disorder or an illness or is struggling with their mental health, it's just going to be more work that's ultimately whether it's work or not, but it's going to be harder. It's definitely going to be more challenging and, you know, you'd have to be in a very good place yourself or else it could end up worse for both of you. So Mm. just, just uh, tread, tread with caution. Uh, Not to say you can't do it. And and again, it sounds like they've kind of come through this and, and in a good place now, but uh, Eliza, what do you, what do you think about specifically this situation and then this phenomenon in general? Um, 
This is my favorite topic. I have so much to say on it. <laughs> uh, I, I have experienced this myself and I relate a lot to this person's um, position in my previous relationships. And because of that, my first piece of advice for anyone in this situation is to maintain your boundaries from the get-go because often what happens, like Neil said, is at the beginning you're so willing to nurture them, look after them, fix them and sort everything out and then it happens again and you do it all over again and then it happens a third, fourth, fifth, 50th time and then you're burnt out and unfortunately with people with mental illness a lot of the time when they're going through uh, an episode or a low period they may doubt that that person is going to be there for them they might be anxious thinking you'll leave me like everyone else everyone abandons me and what's really hard is if you start off that relationship being extremely empathetic and nurturing and um you know, putting them under your little bird wing. Um, And then you change that over time because you're burnt out. You're actually proving to them their point that everyone leaves me eventually, and then they're going to spiral further. So I think that the biggest key is consistency. And you have to be able to, as much as you want to swoop someone up and you feel overwhelmed by empathy and sadness, and I've fallen into this trap 150 times myself, um, so it's hard to do. You have to be consistent in your own approach and boundaries to other people's mental health. And you can't be the person to fix them. You have to be the person to support them only. So it's not your responsibility to carry someone else's burden. You can only support them while they carry their own burden, which is obviously easier said than done in a relationship, in a romantic relationship where you have a deep love and respect for someone. But it's it's essential in order for a relationship to work that you have that mindset and you're practicing that as well. So I think another point that Neil made about... Um, attachment is really, really essential. And that if you are someone with a mental health disorder, you should be dating someone else with a secure attachment. Because unfortunately, what happens is that two people with mental health disorders um, or or disorganized attachments and and anxious attachments, when they get together, they usually get together um, on a trauma bond. So they bond over their shared experiences, but without one person being that stability, um, it's it's unlikely to succeed because you may be triggering each other when you go through episodes or highs or lows um, or manic periods and things like that. So it's really important that you are aware of that, how you might be triggering someone else, especially if that other person has mental health issues. Which kind of brings me on to the next point of the difficulty of being the secure person is that it's it's not your responsibility to be strong and stoic the whole time and accept all these things. You still are within your right and you still have your own needs that are obligated to be met within a relationship. And mental health does not excuse anyone from not meeting those needs, but it can help you understand why at times they may not be met. Um, So I think it's really important that if you are aware that someone you're dating has mental health uh, illness or disorder, you should know what it is. Uh, Have they sought help for it? Are they medicated for it? Because in case they go off medication, is there a risk to you? Um, Which I've seen happen many, many a time, unfortunately. Um, And educate yourself on their disorder. And also ensure that they themselves are educated on their um, mental health condition as well. Because unfortunately, 
a lot of people that I have um, dated that have had mental health issues. Like I, I once dated someone with, um, he had borderline personality disorder and he knew nothing about it. So he was doing nothing to to support himself through that. Unfortunately, the relationship could not last more than like literally a couple of months because he was so volatile at times and he had not learned any methods to help himself. And I was like, I'm not going to become your therapist, but I do find it a very common thing, even just with like um, my partner, Adrian has ADHD and anxiety. And I know more about ADHD and anxiety than he does. So I often find that I am the one, you know, educating him and being like, this is what executive dysfunction is. This is what this is. This is what that is. Whereas it's their responsibility as well to learn more and be the expert of their own mental health condition. Mm. What are your thoughts? Well, people who are at least aware of their uh, condition and can understand how it may be impactful for the people around them, it's a lot easier, I think, to be in a relationship with someone like that because then at least, okay, they can see how that's affecting the other person. They can see how it, you know, maybe they're not doing what they should be doing or they're off their meds or whatever it might be. But if it's someone who's in denial, then yeah, then it's not going to work. It's, it's absolutely not going to yeah. work, and it's unhealthy. Yeah, which yeah. is unfortunate. It's, sad. it's sad. It's so how sad. How often do we but... see someone trying to convince someone else? I think you have, you know, an anxiety disorder. I think you have PTSD, or I think you've got this. And then if that person doesn't do, it is their obligation, especially in a romantic relationship, to seek information and support for that external to your relationship so they can manage it um and if they don't then i would not be remaining in that relationship for the sake of your long-term well-being because it's just gonna be that cycle of endless i lean on you for support i get support from you my symptoms aren't managed and then i have a crisis and then it continues around in that cycle yeah it's uh yeah it's pretty tough it's often the person who's yeah maybe doesn't have the uh, disorder who is it's not like that the other person's clearly suffering as well but then yeah. you don't want them to be suffering as it's a complicated thing but then again it's not a reason to not date someone with um you know i'm not saying people with mental illnesses or disorders are undateable or anything like that at all no, but yeah. um what i find really frustrating is if say someone says they're going to do things or like for example says they're going to go to a therapist or says they're going to take certain medication and then you find out they're not or they do it for a bit and then they stop or they just Mm. or they just don't do it consistently or they just and yes and then they'll blame the well not but then they'll and rightfully they'll say well it's because i have x condition that i can't Yeah. And then you don't want to be an asshole and you don't want to be like, well, well what are you get like then what are you going to be like this forever kind of it's just a very complicated and messy situation. Um yeah. and you know there's not really an easy answer, but mm, I think yeah. if if they're aware of it and they're taking accountability for uh doing what they, you know, reasonably can to to mitigate the the symptoms and be in control of it and if it's an illness or disorder that can actually be cured, if are they doing what they can to 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 do that? Um, yeah. Because there are, 
illnesses mm-hmm. and disorders that definitely can be cured that's what a psychologist is supposed to do that's what they're getting paid mm-hmm. to do so or at least um, give the person enough tools to be able to manage uh their own lives and their relationships and i think it's a it's a really good point about the the follow through because what i see most commonly in in couples in this relationship setting where one person has a mental health issue um or disorder is that when they're in crisis after they've had their big you know like crisis or meltdown or anything and they want to reconnect with their partner it can be very easy to say i'm going to get help or it can be very easy to say like you don't deserve this like you treat me so well you look after me you help me i'm so sorry like you can anyone can talk the talk basically but the follow-through is so essential and unfortunately what happens is once that couple has reconnected they've overcome the crisis together, that individual no longer feels that it's necessary to seek support. So I think it's really essential that even when you're feeling good, that they go get support and they maintain that support. And when you said about the, you know, the frustration of you have to be understanding of the way that their mental health may issue uh, impact you, but also... You don't want people to use that as an excuse for treating you poorly in a relationship. So I think that as someone dating someone with a mental health disorder, it's important to know what their symptoms might be and have really open open and honest conversations about it so that they can't use that excuse. But you also understand it. For example, like I know with um, Adrian and having anxiety that if he feels confronted by anything in life, not just a relationship issue but if there is a confrontation he freezes and he can't verbalize because he gets his thoughts get so muddled and he gets overwhelmed that he can't talk so I know that if we have an issue um, I'm not going to expect him to give me answers or resolve it on the spot I know that I need to allow him time to to get to his baseline and calm down and and you know calm his nervous system before he can communicate. And those are things that you might need to understand. But that being said, there's never been a time ever where Adrian said, has said to me, like, sorry, I did this. It's because of my anxiety or my ADHD. Um, it's just that understanding that I know that this is how he'll respond. So I will allow that time or I will ask this of him instead. So it's really, really important to have those open conversations very openly and it's the same with any relationship basically even without mental health issues or disorders because some people prefer to handle conflict in one way and you have to be able to communicate Mm. that yeah yeah no you're absolutely right and yeah i I agree with all of that i don't know if i even have anything to add there i think uh um yeah it's gonna it's going to be harder and you may feel like there's you know three steps forward and two steps back kind of thing but then at least you're taking steps forward but if you feel like it's three steps forward and three steps back Mm. it's that's when you know the yeah definitely the resentment can build up and it just becomes messy for and the burnout everyone Yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah you can't be afraid to speak your needs and i think that this is a really important lesson that i had to learn for myself um and that was to say you know i can see 
being someone that when when I'm ever in a, if I've ever been in a conflict with a partner, I'm basically always the person that is calm and chill and nodding and allowing them to speak and things like that. And I'm never the person having that the emotional outbreak. Um, but there are times where I have said to someone like or a partner previously, I because I've dated people with more significant mental health issues and they have I've said to them like I don't have the capacity um, or energy to support you in this moment when it's been you know the fourth time this week that it's happened you have to be able to say that and be like I really need you to be able to regulate yourself because I can't regulate you in this moment like I can't be the crux for you to calm you you down like I need you to do that for yourself and so you need to be able to speak that you can't carry that burden because unfortunately it is easier and it's natural that when we're feeling really overwhelmed that we seek someone to resolve that for us. And that's actually not your responsibility to resolve it for them, even knowing that they have a mental health condition. It's their own responsibility to fix it themselves. And for some people that might take two minutes, an hour or a day, but it's not up to you to calm someone else down. And I think the last point I want to make as well um, from, I guess, just speaking from personal experience as well, is that have a reflection and look if this is a common thing for you. Um, understand why it is that you might be dating people like this. Like maybe you just met and fell in love and found out about it and that's fair and that's often what happens. But if you find that you're someone that frequently ends up in relationships with people that have um, mental health conditions and it's an ongoing thing for you, as it has been for me in basically all my relationships, is to really reflect on why that might be. And it could be that you are seeking, um, like you feel more fulfilled when you're nurturing someone, which is what it was mm. For me and that I find that I get the most fulfillment in my life when I'm looking after people and that's why I work in the industry I do and that's why I've been naturally drawn to people that are like I want to help and really like be their rock I love that and when I had dated someone I'd had a boy actually my ex-boyfriend was quite emotionally stable and for the first like year of our relationship I felt like confused because I was like what's my role <laughs> like what do I do when I don't have to look after someone all the time and at times I didn't even like that um or for other people it might be that they continuously end up in this relationship cycle because they crave the ups and downs of a relationship or the toxicity or they want someone that is emotionally attached to them and codependent on them because it makes them feel more secure so it's important to reflect on that um, and understand that and work through that because it might be a cycle that you need to break yeah and then the other uh and uh side of the coin can i guess be an extreme version of what you might have reflected on and discovered about yourself which is people who may have a uh, a savior complex and so yeah. for yeah. them to feel close to people and and to feel good about themselves they need to feel like there's not only just taking care of people, saving them, and they often live out uh, whatever trauma they may have had either when they're yeah. younger or whatever, for whatever reason their inner psychology has led to them to this point. And what they, unbeknownst to them often, unconsciously, they actually keep that person in a state of in dependence that, yes. so that they can yeah. feel like they're saving them. And then, you know, I've got... I, yeah. I think this is almost happening on a collective level politically, but that's a different story. But um, 
that is something to be acutely aware of yeah. and it's very hard because you're questioning the identity of me uh, uh, being a good I'm a good compassionate person I actually just take care of people more than other people do or mm. are you trying to save people to make yourself feel yeah. good and like and look some yeah. people do need to be saved but off but also some people need to save themselves and there's only so much you can you can exactly. do because then you're basically becoming a one-person mm-hmm. charity organization. You, you know, yeah. you're giving. You, it's just emotional charity in many ways. You, you, okay, you're helping them when they're having a crisis, or you're 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 feeling good about yourself when you when you soothe them after they're, mm-hmm. you know, having a breakdown. But ultimately, in the long run, is that helping them or is that causing them to then depend yeah. upon you without them actually yeah. getting better? So. Exactly. You need a you, look. You need a bit yeah. of both with anyone, whether it's someone with a mental illness or someone who's gone through something or just just someone who's young like you do kind of need a bit of you need that compassion and care and love but you also need that i think person who's saying all right look these are the steps you need to start taking yourself and take some mm-hmm. responsibility there and um, yeah you can't have I think it's such too a far one way important point to make especially if you have that cycle and i know that i was a thousand percent in that cycle and my ego would kind of soothe that thought by saying I'm just an altruistic person like I just am a selfless person and there was one point when I was in my early 20s where I was working full-time with homeless young people I was a volunteer phone counselor for a suicide hotline and then on the weekends I would either work in all people's home or in a disability respite um center over the weekends supporting you know giving carers breaks and things like that and I was so and I also was dating someone with a very severe mental illness so I was so surrounded by that and I thought that it made me like a a good person and I was like it doesn't drain me I love it I'm passionate about it and it wasn't until I had studied further along and a couple of years had passed where I realized that a lot of those you know, teens that I was helping get off the streets and doing everything for, I wasn't actually teaching them the skills or holding them accountable. Um, And instead I was fixing it for them, thinking I was doing a service for them. But really, if I could go back in time, it would be like a a completely different approach. So I think it's really important. That's why I, I emphasize so much that never fix someone you can only support them. And if you get in the habit of fixing, it's you're only enabling them um, because you're only further disadvantaging that person and it will always burn you out in the end as well. So it's not fair to you and it's not fair to them. So be really, really rigid on your boundaries. And I have in my current relationship and my relationships being, in, in, you know, as a more mature adult, is a much um, stronger, no bullshit approach. So despite your mental health condition, this is not for me to fix. This is not my burden and I'm not going to carry this. And I especially am not going to cop abuse verbally or whatever of any kind because you're in a crisis. So it's really, really important um, to stick with that and, and just to be a supportive partner. So think about what is better for that person and really reflect on, on yourself as well in this. Yeah, well said. Um, I think it's answered. I we've, uh, <laughs> yeah, I think I think we've sort of broadly spoken about that as much as we mm-hmm. kind of can. I, mean, I, I know a lot of people have sent in um, requests to do, you know, 
someone with this specific mental illness. And look, that's just something where I'm just completely, I just wouldn't know. Um, maybe we can do well next year. Uh, we can go through yeah. dating someone with this specific, you know, with whatever it is, depression, mm. BPD mm. or anxiety, whatever it may be, ADHD. But um, in terms of just dating someone with a mental disorder, because they're, yeah. they're very, very different. I mean, someone has like mild anxiety versus schizophrenia. Yeah, kids you know, of psychosis. Very different. <laughs> yeah, it was just yeah. very, it's very different. <laughs> so, uh, we might, we might. There's definitely things to talk about next year. Um, but this last little thing she's added here. Oh, yeah. Um, that's significantly more likely to leave their. I've never heard that partners one. Women. Now it's currently been that. I think that's just bad. That just reflects pretty poorly on us. Um. It's just, ooh, pretty bad. Yeah, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know, like, what, uh, where that is, what sort of serious illness we're talking about, whether we're talking about, you know, terminal Ill illness or anything like that, but just the Yeah, this is interesting. I'm trying is to huge, Google it as so. we go, but I can't, I can't find that stat anywhere. I haven't heard it, but I can kind of... Um, understand how it could make sense in some ways just thinking about how like you know in terms of how mental illness presents that men are more likely to become um sometimes withdrawn or aggressive things like that and women that have mental health issues are often more like a i externalize it and seek that support so i know that a lot of um women that experience uh, or that are currently dating someone with mental health issues, sometimes they say like, you know, he closes off and he's a, he's distant and he's withdrawn and I'm really worried. And then when men experience it, God, I cannot even I give you a number of how many men I know that have been dating women with mental health conditions. And these women will frequently threaten suicide uh, yeah, yes, <laughs> yes. Um, is it that and that, that threat of suicide is Jeez. very common as well for significant depression and anxiety and things like that. And they were much more likely to get burnt out because of the, the level of crisis was different. And of course it happens in both genders and I don't know the stats off by heart about, I know that men are more likely to have mental health conditions and it's more common in men. And men are also more likely to have um, psychotic mental health uh, disorders. So, you know, it's it, it, it just, it can just present very differently in men and women, which might be why that is a factor. Mm. Um, or maybe men are just <laughs> less compassionate and don't wanna put up with that. But I think that if, just, I know I've said this okay. before, but my because it's in my mind now about the women um, threatening suicide and how many times I've seen this happen, if someone puts you in that position where they say, if you don't come here, I, I feel suicidal or I need you, I feel suicidal and I'm going to do it and things like that, please do not go there every single time and instead call an ambulance. It doesn't matter if they're just saying it. It doesn't matter if it's a threat. Either way, call an ambulance every single time because one, they're either going to get caught on their bluff for being manipulative to get you there or two, they're in a serious crisis. They need an ambulance anyway. So that is always my response. Don't be the person that goes to save them every time. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Oof. 
Yeah, it's uh, that's pretty uh, it's pretty dark. Yeah, I, I'm sorry, I might have misinterpreted that. I guess because it is following up the question about um, right illness. Oh. I just for some reason assumed it was like a, a physical illness. Maybe where um, someone would leave, but Serious it makes what? sense that it would be a. Oh, oh, maybe it is physical illness. She's just written serious partners, so I yeah. don't know. But I, I've seen a lot of that. I haven't seen studies, but I've seen a lot of that on Reddit partners. where women so say their husbands left them when they found out they had breast cancer or they had cancer and things like that. I see that all the time. Um, yeah, from both sides where men would say I was going to leave someone and then I was going to leave my wife, I was going to divorce my wife, but I just found out she has really? cancer. Um, and then I see for the women writing saying, I just got broken up with after I was told I have a terminal illness. So that's an interesting thing, but I, I, I don't know the research on it, but I wonder. Who knows? <laughs> yes. Oh, I mean, it, yeah. It's hard to, I mean, you can judge, but also it's to like intense yeah. situation where, mm. um, who knows how <laughs> people react there. You know, who know what are the details there? What are the, anyway, yeah, I don't know. But it does look, but it looks pretty bad if it's 21% of, mm. it makes sense if it was that, if it was just mental illness there and then how you say women externally, then it starts to make a bit more sense and is not as I guess can condemn of men but um if it's physical illnesses and then you know women more likely to stick around because the, the, the a lot this is what a lot of guys on I guess yeah you know, some websites and stuff will say yeah. it's that oh How men are actually more loyal <laughs> more likely to commit when things yeah. get tough they're more likely to stick it through but a statistic like that doesn't exactly show that so yeah exactly just as well. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. I mean, even then, it's still it's still twenty one percent. I mean, about eighty percent are sticking around, so that's good. <laughs> but but ninety seven percent of women, that's yeah. You 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 win that one if <laughs> it's not a competition. But, all right. Well, um, hopefully those questions slash topics were adequately covered. So, Brad. Um, see you guys in yeah three to four months I'm thinking you know mid-January or the yeah. latest would be early February it feels so weird but just there's yeah. so many other things that yeah. are going to determine that maybe they'll you know I'll do an announcement sometime in December or January but I guess have a good have a good Christmas yeah have a good new year it feels weird saying that because we're recording this in early August so but uh, yeah, um, yeah this year has gone very it's just the last years i feel i put them all together as like the covid years and like the the fallout from them so it's it's just i think a good time to just yeah reflect and now i guess there's hopefully a bit more consistency and you know there's so things with these podcasts that not not just both the podcasts there where i've just continually added a lot of things you know first it was the subscriptions and then it went to sort of charity subscriptions then more options as to how people could subscribe then um sponsors and then um you know there's 
there's the the highlights the different social media platforms mm. all these sorts of things that you know um it, it could it, it it it's a mm. lot it's a lot more to even though i you know the <laughs> editor's doing it all but it's a lot more to think about yeah. and manage and you know i want to do things well so i'm stripping back a few things related to the podcast but they'll definitely keep going um absolutely <laughs> love these and weird oh, yeah, i'm gonna we miss everyone even, that was cool. even aaron that was nice and <laughs> the we'll guy be that back and uh it'll be comments every week <laughs> talks to a relationship relationship therapist and mother yeah so we'll who will nice. i be without aaron to humble me every week yeah. by insulting adrian <laughs> <laughs> good luck. I hope you have a really good Christmas, Aaron. <laughs> yeah, have a, uh, enjoy the rest of your year. Like, not for you, enjoy mate. We'll... <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you next. Yeah. yeah. Wow. One day he's gonna. Need... One day he's gonna need a landscaper, and yeah, hopefully. yeah. Nah, they all talk. So, yeah, you. Have... Christmas as well, first Christmas with uh, as a family. Yeah. That'd be really, really cute. And I think that's yeah. It feels like it's we'll probably fly by. So enjoy, uh, enjoy the break from us. I'm sure you're sick of us. See you as next well, year. So Woohoo! Go listen to some of the previous ones. Okay. Yeah, we'll be back refreshed with some new ideas and and maybe a bit of a new direction as well for, for these podcasts and um, see you next year. See you in 2023 guys.